Blog Talk Radio. Okay, that's enough of that. Is that a figment of my imagination or is that sucker speeding up and slowing down? I think it might actually be speeding up and slowing down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been saying that since we switched over to the HD and I'm like, this don't quite sound right. And it doesn't sound the same every week. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. But I'm glad that you were able to confirm what was going through my head because I thought I had missed something somewhere. I was like, this song is slowing down. So we'll get that fixed. Hi, Raina. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Yes, 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 yes. And this is Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And I'll say that one more time. My name is Kim, and I'm from Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the new listeners. For listening in today, the people who have been with us for a while, we thank you. We appreciate your support, your motivation. Uh, the emails, I got another email from Brandy most recently. I just haven't had a chance to respond yet because what's been happening in this country, especially what's been happening since the latter part of the summer or this summer, has really captivated my attention the movements in Ferguson and beyond, actually. And we're going to talk about civil rights today, human rights and mass movements and Ferguson and beyond. And to just let you all know, we will be doing the webcast Sunday 
and it will be an extension of this conversation. So we will have Drs. Kibu Hutchinson, Donald Wright, Jen Taylor, Raina Rhodes, and myself. And it may be a structured show, but I kind of think I want to free flow it. So we shall see. But that will be taking place 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is noon central and one o'clock Eastern. Okay. So I want to make sure that you all know about that. And no, there is no link for me to post. The link is created the day of the show. So you just have to watch my page because, of course, I make all of that information open to the public. As a matter of fact, I think pretty much my whole page is open to the public. I just decided that the information that I'm putting out there is best just to open it up because, you know, in addition to coming close to having 5,000 friends, I have um, close to 1,000 people following that account. So I just wanted to open it up. And so everybody can see the same thing because it's nothing to hide. I mean, it's a bunch of us that post on that wall. So you have a bunch of information um, that can assist you and help you to understand where our mindset is, you know, what our politics are. Um, it's important for you to understand, but it's also important for you to formulate an opinion of your own which is why we encourage people to research and to verify information that's out there in addition to what we tell you. Because I've been wrong before and I come back to the show and I readily admit it and address it and fix it. So, you know, I'm always learning, always learning. And, you know, over the past week, I have actually, I have about, 150 links that I want to share with you guys. I just haven't put them up and I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. Um, but I'm sure many of you all have seen a lot of the information that has been going around. Um, I know Raina and myself, we've bookmarked so many links, so much information, and we just we want to share it with you guys. And I've been posting links to the program. It links you to a Tumblr page. And all the information you need is there. It tells you what's happening in each state. So they use the states as a hashtag. And if you're in Illinois, it tells you about protests that are happening in Chicago and other parts of Illinois. If you're in the DMV area, or so you'll find that was happening in Maryland, Virginia. You just pick the nearest and make sure that you all know information is out there. Um, it's imperative, absolutely imperative what is happening. I don't believe a lot of folks understand the impact of these decisions have on our lives. And not just black lives, but white lives, um, you know, black, brown, yellow, red, white, this all impacts us. You know, it impacts black people directly, but it also impacts these other groups. And unfortunately for a lot of white people, they don't understand, they can't relate as to why we're so upset about being told that black 
lives don't matter to the system. The constant policing of black and brown bodies, the total disregard for you know people of color, and we're saying no, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. And it's too many that base their opinions, because I've seen this, they said they believe that Mike Brown, the gentleman from Ferguson, who was killed by that police officer after they saw that videotape of him allegedly stealing the cigars and pushing around the store owner, that from that incident, they, in their mind, characterized him as a thug and had no feeling, could not have any empathy or sympathy for him, what they saw in that video. And there's a lot of psychology behind that, which is why they released that video. And from what I've been able to gather, yeah, and from what I've been able to gather, he actually paid for the cigarettes and the store owner, the store owner and nor any of the employees called the police. So what happened? How did that happen? I don't know. And so they know that things. Oh, yeah, definitely. But But they know that even still, though, what kills me about the entire situation is we're, if, even if he stole the cigarettes, we're talking about a man who fundamentally lost his life. Exactly. You know, if you believe the narrative that they're spinning. Because he stole some cigarettes. You know what I mean? The nerve. Like, right. his life versus some, you know, some tobacco wrapped in paper. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, let that sink in for a second. A black man's life is worth less than a cigarette. How about that? How about that? And what's interesting about that analogy that you just made is that Michael Steele, the black Republican, the former you know Republican National Convention president, himself said that black lives were less you know worth worth less than a ham sandwich. What is that telling you? And in regards to the Eric Garner case in which the grand jury decided not to bring charges against the officer that killed Eric Garner in that chokehold, basically (laughs) the only person that was charged was the one who videotaped it. And if they could, and I mean, they've indicted Eric Garner, you know, in the, in the media and just like, but not only, you know, did they, not only did they indict the gentleman that took the videotape, they arrested him the next day and his wife. Exactly. Exactly. And they, and they have been and they've been systematically harassing them ever since. Exactly. Exactly. And now he's facing jail time. And I'm, it's like this is one of the tactics that they use to encourage people not to speak up. And one of the reasons why they're killing black and brown bodies is to show other people this is what happens when, you know, you're not obedient to our system and to what we want you to do. And in many cases, they feel that, you know, your life is not worth anything and they want to get rid of you. And so the whole thing is interesting, but I want to make sure because. Uh, I pretty much said what I needed to say yesterday on Facebook, and I'll be rehashing it. I wanted to acknowledge um, 
you know, a few people. <sighs> you know, I've been on the secular community's case ever since I started this show. And normally, you know, I'm looking at the mainstream organizations and questioning their behavior, their choices, so on and so forth. And, you know, I'm on the Black Atheist cases as well, but not nearly as, you know, harsh or vocal or direct as I've been this year. And it's because I'm not sure what's happening over here anymore. And as I said yesterday, there are too many people over here that are just looking for some new trade, looking to make some money, attain power. That is what they want. They have no interest in social justice. They have no interest in the community, but they, they wow. speak, they talk a good game and say that they're interested so that it seems like they care when they don't give a damn, Preach. you know? And so this is the thing. And, oh, and don't forget that these same people, and don't, don't forget that these same people are over here preaching that we need to all be in solidarity. And yet they do things to undermine other people and that they don't speak out when black bodies are being, are being assaulted and when they're being imprisoned and when they're being murdered, you know? Exactly, exactly, you know, because again, like I said, when I made my statements last night, I said, huh, are you still waiting for all the facts to come in? Because usually that is the number one excuse that, you know, uh, that they put forth and, you know, they're maintaining their silence until all the facts come in. And I'm sure they were over there, um, not sure I know that they had with the protesters and the people that were out there, um, whether they were out there peacefully or not, they just felt that those particular protesters should have just stayed at home and tried to find other ways to protest protesters, like like support, you know, hotel businesses. And hotel oh. up, up, up hotel projects and things of that nature, you know, support hotepers that are out here telling, you know, placating to white audiences by saying we don't want equality. So, you know, it makes me wonder what these hotepers think, because if they feel that we don't want equality, well, white people don't like getting beat up. So since we don't want equality and we don't want to not, you know, we don't want to get beat up either. But since we don't want equality, then I guess we're okay with getting beat up, right? I'm just I trying know. to understand. I'm just trying to understand it. And, and, and what, what I find most astounding with some of these people is not only are they hoteppers, but they're also conservative Republicans or libertarians. Same damn thing. They act like it. Yeah. Some of the some of the rhetoric that comes out of their mouths. Yeah. You know, and it, the whole thing is just interesting, and it's disheartening. It's extremely disturbing, and regardless of what they're thinking, 
like I said, your silence will not, you know, will not save you. It's just not going to do it. You're in, and they think that they're doing something great. They think that they're cool or the cool black kid or whatever, because they're not talking about racism. And, you know, I had an interaction earlier um, this week with this idiot, and I was talking about racism and supremacy and ethnic, you know, um, ethnic white people, blah, blah, blah. And they were saying, and I was talking about foreigners and how when they come to this country, um, many of them are not familiar with the social construct of race. And once they get here, they find out in order to be accepted that they have to spout anti-Black rhetoric, you know, oppression of Blacks, so on and so forth. And so this idiot's response was, well, foreigners see it as arbitrary. Okay, but you're no, not taking no, it far enough. Well, let's see, but again, my, oh yeah, I know, I know, I know. My my response to them was arbitrary in nature and subjectively applied. Yeah. And so, yes, and so the idiot got angry. I was just trying to help her, but okay, whatever. But the, but the truth of the matter is, is that they don't, that, they, that it's not arbitrary. You know what I mean? Right. Because, right. because they, I mean, you know, they've, there are studies on this. You know what I mean? Exactly. About how people come to the United States and acquire belief about mm -hmm. people of color, but particularly black people, that they didn't necessarily come here with. And exactly. Even, and even if that wasn't the case, we're still exporting our racism. You know, we still exactly. export, black, you know, American culture. We still export images that show black people as as violent, as, um, you know, as criminal, you know, by mm -hmm. nature, you know, we still, um, you know, we still export images that basically, you know, equate every Muslim with terrorism. You know what I mean? Right. We, you know, there's, there's exactly. just so many things, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And that's why we definitely need to have that conversation and this is why we're having these protests across the country. And it's not just people of color that you're seeing out there. We see white faces, you know, and when I say people of color, I'm talking about, you know, black people, Latino people, Asian people, just people of color, period. You know, everybody that's over here in the other section, right? And <laughs> well, you know that it is all about otherisms, you know? And no, I know, I know, I'm just laughing. So yeah, so, you know, again, if you go to fergusonresponse.tumblr.com, again, that's fergusonresponse.tumblr.com, you will find all of the location tags, all the information there to find a protest near you. Um, besides the ones that they have today, there's going to be more information popping up for tomorrow. There is a contact page in there where you can let them know if you're having or you're organizing up in the city near you. So that is the central location. That is actually the repository that many organizers are using to get this information out here. This, you know, this is extremely organized, the way that this has been set up. And so we need 
for you all to understand, um, you know, what's happening. And again, I want to make sure that I acknowledge the people who are not able to physically get out and protest because I don't want anyone sitting at home saying, well, I can't get there. There's nothing happening close to me. I understand that. Trust me. But, you know, again, you can be active on social media and, and there are people who can't just be active at all. They're just sitting there. They're watching and I know their hearts go out and that's okay because, you know, many of us have been in these positions in our lives as well. So for the people that are mocking others for being social media activists, stop it because the social media, you know, um, activism was fine when you were begging for money, right? Cool. I guess social media works well when it works in your favor. Other people utilize it to stress the injustice that's been, you know, forced upon us for, you know, <laughs> for centuries in this country. You know, now it's stupid. And so, I, you know, I don't know what to say. Um, in regards to the secular community, in crickets and tumbleweeds, baby. Crickets and tumbleweeds. It's been so quiet, absolutely mm -hmm. quiet. And um, a young man that calls into the show every once in a while, who's always encouraging us on Facebook, and we'll just say AG3, right? And okay. he was talking about how he went over to, you know, several of the mainstream organizations' websites and their, you know, um, profiles on Facebook, and he saw nothing, nothing, no, nothing. But in August, when we first had the protests, when this first broke out, a few of them actually wrote some blurbs and put it out there, you know, blogged about it, and, you know, talking about how they denounced racism, you know, they were putting an effort and you had to go and see the comments. The comments were horrendous. And this just goes back into the narrative that we've been sharing with you all for the past several years, is that it all boils down to their bottom line. And they don't want to say and do anything that will upset their donors. Even if their donors are blatant racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobes, it doesn't matter. And ironically, We've been on their case quite often, quite a bit this year, because they actually, well, one organization actually went to CPAC, the conservative, what's this, conservative political action conference, and was, yeah, yeah. you know, openly committee. Yeah, well, PAC, CPAC, yeah, open committee convention, and basically was, you know, openly trying to recruit people who are openly racist, openly homophobic, openly sexist, and I'm trying to understand why are you recruiting people who advocate for things that we are supposedly against? So yeah. I've been asking that. And, and by the way, if you guys are wondering which organization she's talking about, she's talking about American Atheists. Yes. <laughs> Might as well just say America. what it is. I mean, <laughs> there's yeah. no reason to not yeah. say what it is. They can find out with the Google search. 
you know. That is true. That is true. So you're an atheist. As a matter of fact, Raina um, <laughs> made some pointed tweets today. So if you all get a chance, go over to at Ray Elise, R-A-I-E-L-I-S-E. Retweet some of that. Put that information out there. The only way we're going to get any type of progress is there's going to have to be movements. That is why, you know, we're having these mass movements across the country. And in order to have any type of movement, it requires friction. So for those of you out there that are, that, you know, um, afraid of upsetting, you know, white folks, look, as Anthony Penn said, you know, if the people, the people in power approve of the way that you're protesting, you're not doing it right. They're not supposed right, to approve. Just, right. And not just that, but but silence is, is consent. That's how it gets exactly. that's how it gets in and that is how it gets interpreted. You know? Exactly. But, you know, just like, you know, when we were talking about voting, you know, you cannot vote all you want, but not voting gets interpreted as your consent of whatever exactly. the outcome is, you know? Exactly. And we've been saying that for years about the, these mainstream organizations. But I have to give credit, and we'll come back to this. I definitely have to give credit to Chris Hall and James Croft. They were posting the information and links for the Ferguson Jail Fund. And for that particular fund, they are collecting money and they use that money to get the protesters out of jail because Ferguson, um, they were implementing arbitrary laws that aren't really laws. They just made it up at the time. They had a five second rule and that was ruled unconstitutional. It wasn't even a law. And so, you know, there are a lot of people being jailed, especially the protesters that are coming from other cities to support, you know, people in Ferguson. And, and even it's the same thing is happening in New York. I posted a link right. today as well that gave a hotline number for protesters that need legal help. I put that information all over the place today. So that is there as well. And I'll find some more information about other cities. It's just that it's so much happening so fast and it's coming at us so fast and so hard and directly because, you know, I, I deal with some of these people. And it's, I mean, honey, let me tell you, last night when it first, today afternoon, when we first found out that that police officer wasn't going to indict it, I got sick. Literally. And a lot of black people all over the country are. I mean, you know. I mean, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people and I see a lot of their, you know, a lot of people on Twitter and on social media talking about how they feel about what, what's happened. You know, they feel like, you know, like, like, you know, we, we were taught or we, or we all kind of thought that this was all over, you right. know, a lot of us. You know, right. and then, we thought that we would not have to to do this sort of you know action again to fight for our lives and to and to exactly. you know, demand justice. And here we are again. Exactly. 
Right. And that was one of the most poignant tweets that I saw. And I posted it on my wall. I reached on Twitter. But um, the, the woman was saying how her grandmother was in tears about this and how her grandmother said they marched so that we wouldn't have to. How about that? That mm-hmm. just sent chills all down my body. It still does. Even when I think about it and especially when I speak it out loud. We shouldn't have to be doing this. And all of this is because we're trying to convince, you know, white supremacists that we are human. And this is what we mean. White supremacists, Kim, it's like we have to remember that, you know, white supremacy is is a system that people are involved in, even if they're not donning capes. You know what I mean? And, and, And talking about lynching black people. You know what I mean? So you know, we have to deal with the fact that white people have a part to play in this. You have exactly. to and they play, And they, they play an even you know bigger I mean? part in dismantling it. They have to do right. it. They have to right. dismantle that system. And, and this is why, you know, we put, you know, the heavy burden or the heavy part of the burden on white people. Because, again, even with some of our, our allies, the, the the racism is so ingrained within them that they don't even realize that they're being racist towards us. Or if we tell them, well, that was rather racist, they turn around and say, oh, well, you're being too sensitive. There's always right. an excuse. But again, let me let me finish acknowledging these people. So Chris Hall, okay. James Croft, um, Rogi. Riverstone, um, you know, um, Granny Gamer, um, Data Boy wrote an article. Um, of course, we have Greg and we have Jason from Canada. His um, blog is the Hina. Lousy Conduct. She's talking about Hina for you, for those of you that know her as Hina. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I just say Data Boy, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So you know, those are some you know some of the people in the community that we've seen. As a matter of fact, James Croft said that he's um, he's written an article that should come out on the Friendly Atheist blog, Meta. And as soon as I see that tomorrow or Raina sees it first, it'll go on the wall for you all to see. But again, you know, just, just getting back on, on target here, there are a lot of things that, you know, need address. This isn't this mass movement isn't necessarily about, you know, um, guilting white people or anything of that nature. And we have to look at this in a much broader way. Um, we need we need to be talking about economic democracy, um, community control of the police. Now, one thing that I did want to talk about in regards to community controlling of the police, why do you think the Black Panthers were started? They were starting. We're policing our own community. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That is why the Black Panthers were put together, started. They would advise people of their legal rights. They would not allow the police to come in and 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 you know um, trample on the rights of Black people. And again, they they it was a smear campaign. A lot of people don't realize the good that came from the Black Panther Party. That, that breakfast program that your children or other children that you know enjoy, that was because of them. You know, the WIC program, 
that was because of them. The community access like clinics that started because of them. And, you know, it's a long history. I mean, it's even more, but I'm not here to talk about all of that. But we want you to look it up, research it, understand. It's a lot of propaganda in the news out here. America puts a lot of propaganda on men that you read papers from other countries. And, you know, and that's why you see so many of us um, posting information from BBC, Zira, Alternate, and, and a number of other sites. So we just want you to keep your mind open. And Tony um, from California wrote on my wall, and she said, it's past time for the world to go South Africa on America. And that's through sanctions, boycotts, and divestment. I agree. Because the UN released a scathing report um, basically denouncing the racism and the militarization of police in the USA. So, you know, if, I mean, <laughs> they're out here tear gassing people and tear gas, you know, was deemed as illegal. So how is it legal for them to use it on us? Well, you know, the other part about it is, is that, you know, they're, there's also just the, the Amnesty International studies, in case you guys haven't, you know, read those. But, you know, the Am Amnesty International, you know, they sent um, observers to Ferguson in the early days of the protest. And, you know, we're talking right. about all of the human rights violations that were going on there, you know. Exactly. At that time, you know. So we have to we have to realize that, you know, the that while, you know, obviously we're talking about um, – you know, black people being in peril in this situation. A lot of this has, you know, like Kim said, relevance for everyone because right. um, ultimately, ultimately these tactics that you see being used against protesters in Ferguson and, uh, and elsewhere are being used, are, are going to be used in other movements to repress other movements. So you'll want to exactly. keep that in mind. You know, it's part of why it's part of why, you know, I really don't like um, why I really didn't like reading Sam Harris when he was talking about Israel and how he doesn't criticize Israel or the United States support of Israel, because what you have to realize is the in Ferguson, a lot of the training that was given to the police was actually um, provided by Israelis. Exactly. And, and and by the Israeli authorities, you know, that are, are basically trained to put down these sorts of resistance movements within Israel. You know? Exactly. And they're, and they're training using, police they're using, all over this country. Right. And they're using equipment that the United States has paid for. You know what I mean? And, exactly. and a lot of that equipment that doesn't get used. Over, uh, you know, by the military is being again surplus. You know, um, and 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 um, distributed to police departments through the 1033 program. And as we've seen, the the um, this military equipment, um, you know, not only does it heighten um, the uh, the tension, you know, between the community and you know you know authorities, it um. It's also it also is involved in 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 the um, the violation of civil and human rights. 
exactly know, in terms of in terms of the way that it's used. So and you know and the fact that Obama has decided that you know all of a sudden we're going to just you know um, <laughs> we're going to we're going to monitor the program all of a sudden like we didn't have an oper- like we haven't seen what the program is doing in on the ground in action on live TV for over a hundred days. Exactly, it's just ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> and then we got to also remind you that they blacked out the media. Remember, they the yeah. airspace became restricted. The internet went down. You know, they shut yeah. those networks down. That backbone went down, and they, they did that on purpose. A lot, a lot of in the early days of of the uh, protest, a lot of um, a lot of media um, persons were, you know, they were arrested, they were harassed mm-hmm. by the police. Um, you know, exactly. uh, some of the some of the places that they were using to, um, you know, like for, you know, to, to make their reports, like the McDonald's, you know, with the Wi-Fi, you know, they were being told that they couldn't be there. You know what I mean? Right. Just all kinds of things. So you just have to remember these things. And, and, just, exactly. and just so you guys know, because I'm tired of hearing this. OK, please understand how trite it is to say all lives matter. Okay. If all lives mattered, if all lives mattered, then we wouldn't be in this situation. If all exactly. lives mattered, we would have at least seen an indictment in the case right. of Eric Garner, in the case of Mike Brown, in the case of this of this young child, um, the bl- young Tamir black boy. Rice. Cre- yeah. No. Well, that's not that's that's the young black boy. I'm talking about the young black girl. Right. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. Who the young black girl who was murdered, um, whose name I can't remember right now. Um, uh, Tamir Rice, as as Kim, you know, stated. stated you know, right. um, and there and, are other and, and, and another course, test. And oh, I was going to say and one no, more I was thing. Say, you know, and also go ahead. And one more thing, you know. Also keep in mind that, um, you know, while we're talking about police brutality and and um, the the misuse of force. Let's also remember that there are, um, you know, that right now there's that case of the officer who raped, who's been accused of raping several black women mm-hmm. who was, you know, you know, who's, you know, hasn't really received the proper treatment. And those women, um, you know, we're, we're waiting to see what the, what the outcome of his trial will be, but likely he'll get away with it, you know? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. as we've seen with um, other scenarios where police have committed crimes and gotten away. Right. So, And I want you all to pay attention to the Rakia Boyd case, which is here in Chicago. And she was gunned down by the police. And <laughs> I, I can pretty much tell you all that Chicago was trying to lock down. And basically, they want to be prepared when that officer is not indicted, because I don't believe that's going to happen. Um, There was a case here in Chicago. Right. There was a case here in Chicago in which the the police, white police officers pumped, I believe, 28 or 29 bullets into this black man who happened to be another police officer. Guess what? They were not indicted, but he was. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's being charged, I guess, because he got in the way of their bullets. 
So, I mean, you know, it's just, we want you guys to know and to understand what's happening out here. And again, you know, your silence will not protect you. And in addition to that, you know, it's that some of the same stuff is happening to white people. And it's just, it's not getting the same kind of press, but it is. And so you all really need to pay attention. But also, Mm -hmm. but also it doesn't happen to them quite as frequently either. You know what I mean? Oh, I didn't say that. And often, yeah, and often, and often they also, they also see some kind of justice. You know, right, but I mean, I didn't say do. that it happened a lot. I didn't say that it happened well, a no, lot. I know it's you just, didn't say that. I'm just saying, I know. I know that's not what she said. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> but no, but I mean, you're right, because they they usually get some form of justice after or after that. But, you know, again, you know, my point was, you know, they're going to use these same tactics in your community that they're using in ours. It's just that we're, you know, we're first line. We're at the beginning, we're front line. They're going to use them on us first. And so, you know, I just want to make sure that you all understand how this is working. And again, you know, we need to start policing and controlling our own communities. Um, We need to challenge the media, start challenging a lot of these narratives out there because, again, in the case with Mike Brown, I've seen several white people who said that they couldn't feel any sympathy or empathy for Mike Brown because of the video that surfaced with him pushing the store owner and allegedly stealing the cigars, which was not true. He didn't steal the cigars. He paid for them. And the store owner nor any of his employees called the police. So how did they get that video and why did they release that video? And again, I didn't I talk about this earlier. It's, it's about it's psychology. It's about tainting your view. Right. So, you know, um, this is some of the things that we need to do. We need to start divesting from these different communities that are allowing this to happen. Even Mayor de Blasio in New York had to say that Eric Garner um, grand jury decision was wrong. Hell, what's that guy from Fox, Bill O'Reilly? That yeah. shocked the hell out of me. Well, I mean, de Blasio, the problem with de Blasio, though, is that de Blasio, you know, hired the current police commissioner that's doubled down on the very policy that's probably responsible for Eric Garner's death, which is the broken windows policy. But Right. Know. That's true. That's true. And the gentleman that President Obama is picking or has picked to lead this commission has been known for abusive policing. So what are we doing here? And I just want to make sure you all are paying attention because Eric Holder is supposedly going to make this grand announcement Monday that ends all racial profiling. Yeah, and I'll hold my breath on that. And (laughs) and so a lot of this is just pomp and circumstance. And, you know, there are some things that I actually want to get into, but I'm going to save that for Sunday because I just think we're going to have a really good time Sunday. Um, And for those of you that aren't familiar, we're going to do a webcast Sunday. It's going to be Raina, um, Jen Taylor, Dr. Hutchinson, 
Donald Wright and myself. And we'll be talking and basically we're doing a town, a secular town hall, you know, Ferguson and beyond. And we want to open a conversation. We want to talk about what's happening. We want to talk about the response or the lack thereof. And, and, and much, much more. Again, um, it's a lot of things, you know, that need to be talked about. We need to be, I posted an article yesterday purposefully about high schoolers walking out of class in protest for Mike Brown. We really need to be working with these high schools and these college kids and working with them on creating programs or, or, or political organizing and, and working with them, especially some of these high school students. I have been seeing and watching everything that's been happening across the country and even across seas. You know, people in other countries are out here protesting for us. And I see younger and younger people out there. I saw some grannies out there, some older people, saw people out there with canes. And I mean, but again, not everybody will be able to go out there because, you know, I don't want people who are, disabled, you know, like, you know, they're being pointed out. No, I don't want you to go out there. We don't want you to get hurt. None of that. None of that. And I mean, even with some of the people um, who did have disabilities that happened to show up, you know, they didn't march four or five miles. They probably went a block or two, if that. But the fact of the matter is they showed up. And they wanted to have their voice heard. They wanted to say something about it. But for those that aren't able to get out, you know, we commend you guys as well because just lift your voice, say something, anything, just to let people know, um, you know, that you're with us. And again, um, you know, changing budget priorities of policies, um, the budget that they put in, you know, with Ferguson. Then they they implemented a special budget to buy more tear gas and riot gear. Wasn't a lot of talk about that. And so I just think it's, you know, we need to talk about all of these things. Um, what I like about what's happening now is they're using the technology to organize. They're using the technology to ensure that people have the information all across the country. And that's one of the reasons why some of these police departments are so angry and upset because the protesters are using the software to outsmart the police. And so it's just, it's really interesting. For those that want to call in, our number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-2473. And you have to press one to let us know if you want to speak. But you know, there, are the, there are a number of things that we need to do in order to affect change. And what are some of your recommendations? Hello? Um, yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Um. Uh, I mean, that's really hard to say. I mean, there's really, I mean, to affect real change would mean that we'd have mm -hmm. to dismantle the system of white supremacy. But, you know, that that's probably too much to hope for. So, 
Um, I guess in the in the meantime, I mean, all we can really hope to do is to, um, you know, implement some some strategies that would basically allow communities to monitor um, incidents. Well, first of all, we need to have a better system of monitoring um, incidents like what happened to Mike Brown and what happened to Eric Garner, because apparently, um, you know, the um, was it the Wall Street Journal? They had an article out that said that the um, that there were like hundreds of incidents that were um, were not accounted for in like the FBI records of these sorts of incidents. So um, and then also um, the you know remember when um, Mike Brown's um, parents had gone to Geneva to talk mm-hmm. about police brutality. Um, the committee um, that that they were um, testifying in front of basically found that the um, that the United States is you know very bad at keeping records of this kind of information. So that would be the first thing we have to have better record keeping, and that every every instance you know uh, where we believe that someone might have been um, you know might have been violated needs to be documented. Mm-hmm. Period. So that's the first thing. The um but beyond that, communities need to be involved in monitoring and determining um, you know, police um policies. You know, we need um, you know, community uh, community members looking over policies, um, like exactly. windows, you know, and, and saying, okay, this is um you know, this is not going to work for our community because it's going to um, target, you know, otherwise innocent people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to, um, we need to, you know, make sure that we're not over, um, you know, u- overusing the citation, you know, um, citations to pay for, you know, police or, you know, city or municipal services, you know, to make up for budget, you know, shortfalls. Exactly. Um, because a lot of, because even though, you know, some states and, and some cities have decriminalized marijuana and things like that, the citations have gone up and they've gone up particularly for, for black people. The, and the citation system was meant to keep them out of, um, you know, the, the prison system, out of, you know, the, the jails. But they're they're effectively putting a lot of these same people back in prison because some of these same people cannot afford to pay the exactly. fine. So we have to exactly. you know keep in, um you know you know keep that in mind. And you know I mean fundamentally we just need a change in how we do things in this country. We really need to steer away from um, incarceration. Period. And we really need to implement other strategies, you know, for dealing with mm-hmm. um, for dealing with crime, particularly crimes that are nonviolent. You know, I mean, like selling loose mm-hmm. cigarettes. You know, right? He was selling loose right. cigarettes. Like, if any, like, it, it's crazy to me that they that they even ended up, you know, in a situation where you know, they would have to apprehend him or, or, or to um, subdue him. He was selling those cigarettes. He wasn't being violent. You know what I mean? Exactly. He didn't even attack the cops. Like, 
how did we even end up in that situation? You know? But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think those, exactly. I think those things that I mentioned are like a really, a really good start. Um, exactly. But we need and, to, and those we need to notes, do, we, there's a lot of work we have to do. Exactly. And those notes, you know, the charges against officers, the investigation, all of that needs to be public record. Okay, you know, in these, Absolutely. yeah, it needs to be public record so that we can look just like we do for, you know, physicians that have been sued for malpractice. In some states, you can look that up, that. not in all states. And not just that, but we also need, um, we also need to stop using the grand jury system to avoid um, indicting and prosecuting crimes that are committed by people in authority. Basically, we have to we have to stop using that as as a way out. You know, prosecutors need to do their job, even when the even when the person on the other side of the table is is a police officer. And I mean, you want, you kind of understand why prosecutors don't really go after police hard because they depend, their jobs depend on prosecutors. But at the same time, you're supposed to serve the community and the community's interest. So you need to right. prosecute whoever is on that other side of the table if there's sufficient evidence to prosecute them. And this, right. and this is another, this is another reason why cameras are not enough. And, for those oh, for those of and, you that aren't paying attention. Right. And I find it ironic that you know, they're they're trying to play the black community and Americans who just want all of this stuff to go away. They they claim that they're trying to allocate some money to give, you know, um body cameras to every police officer. But look at just what happened with Eric Garner. It was videotaped. But we're not supposed to believe right. our lying eyes, right? Yep. And so it's yep. it's just interesting because you know body cameras is not the end all be all. I mean, so they have a body camera on them. They're still not going to be indicted. It doesn't matter. It's not solving the problem. Putting money at the problem. It's like you know trying to put a band aid when you've cut yourself all the way down to, as Bernie Mac would say, the white meat. You, it's just not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to stop the bleeding. Well, it's not going to start and not the just that, but, um, Yeah, and not just that, but the, um, the other problem is, is that, um, crap, I just lost it. I think I just lost it. But, yeah, I was going to say something else about, the uh, body camera. Okay, so the the body cameras. That's the body cameras. There's also an issue with, um, you know, with civil liberties. You know, right. I mean, already black, you know, black communities and black bodies are over policed, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, by introducing by introducing body cameras, you um, put yourself in a in a situation where, okay, if um, if a police officer catches a crime, even a even a petty crime, you know, a nonviolent crime, um, you know, somebody, you know, even just jaywalking or, or buying some marijuana, right? You know, mm-hmm. do, do does law enforcement get to prosecute some a crime that they've caught on a body cam even when the police officer is not aware of it? You know? Right. Exactly. 
Exactly. And those are issues that have to be thought out, thought through, talked about. And this is why we feel the community needs to oversee, have oversight of all of these policies that they're trying to implement. Um, you know, what's ironic about it is when they first started to, you know, um, spout the rhetoric about being tough on crime, there were quite a few people of color in positions of authority that, you know, were advocating and, but I truly don't believe they thought or knew that it would come to this. And it's just, you know, it's unreal. Um, You know, moving on, someone posted an article, I think Chris Hall posted this, and it was talking about how some gays are hypocrites. Now we've talked about um, the black community being scapegoated by white gays, especially in California with Prop 8. And what's ironic is there are quite a few white gays that are condemning rioting and the looting and the peaceful protests and all of that. And every year they get together to celebrate Stonewall, which was a riot, which was the birth of the gay movement. Now they watched and revised the history because it was trans people of color who started that fight. And anyway, just just going on, but you have a lot of white gays out here condemning, you know, the peaceful protest. They're condemning all of this. And it's it's and, and then they wonder why black LGBTQ members have a hard time feeling as though we're part of the LGBTQ community. And a person of color, you know, we're being pulled in different directions, a lot of different directions. And unfortunately, many of us, you know, either stand back and stand silent. And a few of us were being forced to choose one side over the other. But I just wanted to bring out the hypocrisy about, um, you know, some of the white gays out here condemning this. And, you know, in the article it said that they must not know the history of the gay movement. And so I just think it's, you know, that it's important for us to see. Well, not only do white gays not, I was going to say, well, not only do white gays apparently not know their history, but Americans apparently don't know their history. Because exactly. Americans are are basically, you know, wagging their fingers at the, you know, at those who are, you know, quote unquote, rioting, you know, and, you know, not acknowledging that this that this country has a violent history and has been particularly violent towards people of color. That everything that we stand on, exactly. everything that everything that the United States is and represents is based on violence. Exactly. Period. Exactly. Well, we have a caller. Let's bring them into the conversation. May I ask who's calling 928? It's your friend, Deborah. Your token white friend calling in tonight. Oh. <laughs> How are you doing, Kim? 
I'm good, Deborah. How are you today? <laughs> oh, I'm doing well. I, I was just, I couldn't wait to hear your, your show tonight. And, and uh, Raina brought up such great points before, too. So I wanted to commend her on those. Oh, thank you. It's nice to hear oh. from you. Well, this is, you know, because I live in a little town, right? So nobody talks about these things. But I know that this is a problem that's going on everywhere. You know, out in the little area where I am, it's the Native Americans who are going through a lot of this crap. And, you know, right. so I was thinking about this. There's something, I'm going to call it the fluid truth, for lack of a <laughs> Because, well, like Raina said, and I, th- I think you had a picture on the blog talk, you know, where they have all these investigations about Benghazi over and over and over again. Because these, these people refuse to accept the truth, and then here we have this horrible situation where everybody has seen the video, and we're supposed to pretend it never happened. I, 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 just, it, I find it just absolutely shocking and sickening. And so, yes. you know, there, so there's a part of me that's like, okay, how, what do we do as just regular people who don't have a lot of influence? Um, you know, because there's another thing, too, even like President Obama, every time he says something, the Republicans just all go against him and, like, you know, he's trying to, you know, overstep his bounds and be some kind of dictator or something. And so I was thinking about this on, on two levels. The first being, how many of these police officers are real, real conservative? And it's almost like, oh, boy, you know, we don't respect this authority that's coming from our president, so we're going to take it out on the people. I mean, do you think that there has been an increase in police violence towards people of color since the president has been elected? I don't know if it's been an, I don't know if it's been an increase. See, it's hard to say, you know what I mean? Because, like I said, a lot of this stuff isn't really well documented to begin with. Right. But I think what's different about about the about this age that we're in is the cell phone camera. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and the ability to share the information. The, in the, in the, in the, in the, right. In the in the two, in the two early two thousands and mid 2000s even late two thousands, everybody had cell phones. Not everybody has cell phone cameras that were really good that could capture video longer than, you know, maybe a couple of minutes, you know, but now we have cell phones that have, you know, that have, that are basically computers. You know what I mean? Right. You know, full on computers. They've got 32, 64 gigs of, of memory. You know, we can, we can film a whole movie now on our cell phones. Exactly. So we are, we're just able now to capture a lot more of the information in real time whereas we didn't really have it before, you know? Exactly. And that's what I think that we as, like, regular, you know, hopefully voting people start doing is making these people accountable. And even if it's, you know, if you don't have a cell phone, if you're seeing blatant lies on the Internet, start pointing it out and commenting. You know, that's how SNAP, the uh, group that, you know, the, the group that's against these predatory priests that have been abused, they spend a lot of time and they correct falsehoods that are out there in the comment section. And so I'm just trying to think of ways that maybe we can spread this message because it's, yeah. I just find it shocking 
That's actually a really good point. And and it just, like, goes back to what Kim was saying earlier. It's like we all... It's like we all kind of have to find our own ways of resisting that make sense for us, right? So there are some of us who are really talented researchers. There are some of us who really enjoy being on Twitter. And, you know, there are some people on Twitter who, you know, use their, you know, their enjoyment of Twitter to actually, you know, find out about, you know, people who are – out here, you know, mistreating people of color and getting these people fired. You know what I mean? Exactly. Teachers, you know, there's like elementary school teachers on Twitter saying, you know, uh, you know, things about inward this and inward that. They're teaching babies. You know, exactly. You teach a a a brown or black child, you know, uh, effectively if in your mind they're nothing but a nigger. You know what I mean? Like this and, is, and you know, this is this is why we all have to kind of just do what, um, you know, what we can. You know, some people are really good at, you know, writing blogs. Some people are really good at, you know, some people are just always on their cell phones. And so, you know, just like those people, there were people um, who were able to capture some of the aftermath of mm-hmm. the Mike Brown, right. you know, case. And those were videos that were shown. You know what I mean? So. So we all just do what we can do, you know. Um, right. There was a case in D.C. Oh, I was going to say there was a case. One more thing. There was a case up here in D.C. of a of a homeless man, or not a homeless man. Who's I think he was just a black man who worked in the building. And this this woman who's a lawyer, she knew the gentleman and saw that the police officer, who was black by the way, you know, was harassing this man, and um and and not um you know, informing him of his rights. So she said, you can't do this to him, you know, and she stood up for him. Right. Because we have to remember that, you know, even though those police officers are supposed to follow rules or whatever, they're still human beings. They still have biases. They still, you know, they still sometimes see people and think, oh, that person's beneath me. You know, sometimes they just have shitty days and they want other people to have shitty days too. You know what I mean? Right. So and and, and this is why remember that. And this is and this is why we're putting the heavy bulk of the on white people because the only way we're ever going going to really address a lot of the racism is gonna have to come through white people. And we need to start now I've done this with some cousins of mine on Facebook who are just putting out just outrageous stuff. And I get them real mad if I correct them. But you know what? It's going to make them think. And I was thinking that's probably our greatest influence is in our own little spheres of whoever we deal with. Start correcting this stuff. And also yeah. stop right. participating in shows like, you know, uh, these right-wing shows like people like Ann Coulter who are so vile, the things that they say. Right. We as a country yeah. have to start saying no to that. We have to start saying exactly. no cult of Dusty that just is pure vile crap we don't have to we it's are, trash it is it is trash it is trash and see and go ahead david i'm sorry go ahead well no no i didn't have anything that, that was go my ahead. point and if we start um engendering more of a community of respect and a community right. that that's why i've told you before kim i just love your show you have intellectual people on it's an intelligent discussion. We need to start embracing our intellectualism and our reason 
And if we start doing that, I think you're going to see more people willing to stand up and say this is nonsense, you know, when it's going on in their family and everywhere else. But as white people who feel um, powerless sometimes, I honestly think that's the only real viable thing that we can do that's going to make a difference. Right. Right. And, and I'm glad that you brought up about the cult of Dusty because not only with Dusty, but a lot of the just the vitriol that we receive from this community. And we're always calling out the mainstream atheist organizations for not, you know, crushing, you know, uh, uh, these people and crushing the, the, the rhetoric, the vile rhetoric. And again, as we said earlier, your silence equals tacit agreement. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that. And then they get angry when we point it out. But I'm also pointing the finger at some black atheists in this community who are always pointing the finger at black Christians in the black community. And again, with some of these, you know, quote unquote, former hoteppers, they are not interested in real social justice, but they try to give off the perception that they care, but they only care about themselves. I mean, there is no other way for me to, you know, to around that. And, you know, I'm, I'm measuring my words because, you know, I'm just trying to be very careful because you have a lot of people in this community who unfortunately are some of the biggest um, defenders of white supremacy, of white privilege. And, and it's because they want that same privilege. They want that same power. They just want to have it on the black side. So they're not going to say anything about these issues here because again in their mind everything that's happening to black people were caused by black people and if black people would just try harder or do more then these issues would go away yeah. exactly yeah and, and and that is not necessarily true and many of them have been sold dichotomy not only black atheists but white atheists as well they've been sold this false dichotomy that once you stop believing in a god or a supreme being that all of these bad characteristics go away because we've heard and we've seen white atheists say well i used to be racist now that i'm atheist i'm no longer a racist all all of that goes away with religion and that is false that is false. <laughs> <laughs> and this is and this is why and this is why I think we really have to start talking about what is secular goodness or what is or right. what is the good that we hope to get out of secularism, right? If, I, right. You know, because what 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 good is being good without God if your body if your body is not free if your body is not deemed worthy of protection, you know, if your body is is not worthy of an education or worthy of, right. of, of you know, decent housing or decent healthcare or even water. I mean, you think right. about Detroit, you know what I mean? Right oh, now people are fighting to keep their water. 
Something that is vital for survival. Meanwhile, there are corporations that are hundreds of thousands of dollars behind on water bills and have not seen their water cut off. Exactly. Well, and now they're even talking about putting some development in the Grand Canyon and destroy, destroying the water supply there. It's like, give me a break. You know, look at this. But I did want to say something um, um, before I forgot. This is like a positive sort of thing. I have no idea who this, who these people are on the show because I've never really paid attention to it. But I had free, it's called Free Speech TV. It was on Roku. And it was mm-hmm. really gay, but it, older people, uh, older white people. I have no idea who they are. But anyway, they were saying that um, the, the white gay community had better get off their duff and start, start supporting the protesters. And they Exactly. Why. Only, but that was the only gay program that I've heard where they actually said that, and they. Um, so that kind of goes to your point. At least there's one group out there that's kind of, uh, you know. Right, right, and 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 see, and this is where, you know, there was a disconnect, and I'm glad that you found that one group out there. I'm going to have to look it up, and and you know, when I find the clip, put it on, uh, put it up so that people can see it, but. Yes, you know, we have all of these different groups up here. As a matter of fact, I posted an article that was talking about. Asians should align themselves and sell it. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. It went silent for a minute. Oh. I don't know what happened. Oh, okay. But why the Asians should protest in solidarity with, you know, people of color or black people with what's happening now. And what a lot of people don't understand is the history. And like Raina said, you know, we said on the show before in the past, that don't know their history. But in particular, you know, a lot of white people don't know their history and neither do a lot of blacks. And even during the days of Again, when we had the Black Panther Party, and I told you that it was created to police black communities. We were policing and controlling our own communities. But you had um, Asian protesters out there. You had Asian, you know, Black Panthers. You had Latino Black Panthers. You know, they were called the Young Lords here. With the Asians, it was um, Yellow Peril, Black Power. And, and, you know, Latinos had the young lords and I've posted information. You can find the archives to their newspaper or their newsletter at DePaul University. Um, as a matter of fact, the New York branch, Geraldo Rivera was their attorney, the New York. So it's a lot of history out there. Right. And you had um, you had Granny Panthers. I think they call themselves the Gray Panthers. And these were, you know, um, older people who were in solidarity. And what's interesting is this is and I've been saying this since the beginning of the show. And for those who have been listening, I was saying that I feel as though we're living like in a cross section of a new civil rights or new phase of the civil rights movement and the Renaissance, you know, another, you know, Renaissance happening in this country. And I've been telling you all to get your marching boots ready. We saw this coming. We saw this coming. And we've been telling you. And I just Mm -hmm. want you guys to understand that 
um, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff has been talked about in terms of pe- of how black people quote unquote feel, and I want you guys to pay attention to that because, you know, I feel like that is a form of gaslighting, right? Exactly. So somehow, uh, how we feel is not really, you know, it's not legitimate. So they have to, you know, they or what we or they want to try to delegitimize what is happening. So they try to put it in context of how black people feel rather than the actual statistics that support the perception right. that we all have, right? So I want right. you to pay attention to that. But feelings do matter in a sense, right? And um, you know, and, and and so we also have to recognize that um, you know, black people are angry and they have a right to be angry. And so you don't get to tell black people who are seeing you know, what amounts to extermination, you know, in a sense, you know, not just, you know, not just the, the murders and the, you know, the vigilantes out here who are killing, you know, people, you know, but we're right. talking about the mass incarceration of black men, women, and children, you know, what I mean? exactly. and we're just, we're exactly. disposable bodies and we have a right to feel angry about that. You know, right. So, um, so please don't try to tell us to calm down and talk this out. You know, quote unquote, rationally. You know, we're dealing with a with a system that is treating us like we're not even human beings. <laughs> well, and then the other thing, you have to be polite all the time, right? Accept right. these apologies. And when Eric Garner's widow yesterday said, "Apology not accepted," hell no. I was like, don't exactly. Go. Because because why is it that that you're supposed to just keep rolling over and, like, burying the feelings and just expecting these apologies and being a nice, polite, you know, or, you know, I mean, there comes a point, you know, some of these people are just too extreme with just the vile, nasty crap, like Coulter. But but there's also a point where it's okay not to have to be real polite. And just accept right. all these apologies and just hang down your head and shuffle along. I mean, uh, I just thought when she did that, that was a beautiful example. It was a it was gorgeous. Thing. Yes. I loved every minute yeah. of it. I mean, I really yeah, exactly. did because, because part of because part of what um you know what you know the system you know this sort of this white supremacist capitalist you know, patriarchal system wants is for people to acquiesce, right? Exactly. And say And just to accept what is happening to them, right? Without exactly. resistance. And part of that, and part of that is why they have sort of, um, you know, they have tried to, how they've sort of de, um, I'm trying to de-radicalize Martin Luther King, right? right? So they right. made him into this sort of like teddy bear figure that was all about hugs and holding hands mm-hmm. and overcoming, right? right? And you know, when really he was about when really he was about addressing these systems that dehumanize black people. And and particularly towards towards the end of his life, he was he was seeing the connections between class and race. You know exactly, I mean? and he was actually, and he was actually addressing racism outside of the context of the South, because a lot of us like to think about these things happening in Missouri and Tennessee and Texas and all of these red states. But what we don't want to deal with is the hard fact, which is 
the North has always been more racist than the South. Exactly. Always been more segregated. Mm-hmm. Always, exactly. always been, you know, more hostile. So we have to um, to deal with those facts, and it's it's hard because we like we like these neat little boxes. We like to think in these, you know, straight lines. You know, mm-hmm. South bad, North good. You know. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. And that's why we start expanding why, our thinking. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I always tell people that in the North is just really subtle, really covert. Especially Chicago, Chicago is considered the most segregated city in this country. And I tell people all the time, if you can make it in Chicago, you can make it anywhere. Because (laughs) (laughs) this place, they will get you. And and you're right about how they basically um, have whitewashed Martin Luther King as well as Malcolm X. And they, they're revising that history. But see, this is why I'm looking at the humanists and atheists and secular community, because, again, throughout history, with the exception of what I'm seeing today, but throughout history, secular people have always been in the forefront of these types of movements. They have always helped to organize and promote these types of movements. I don't know what's happening anymore. I don't know what these people are doing besides putting up shit that pissed everybody off, including black atheists, and sitting around flying their friends all across the country and over here and giving cover to people who are nationalists, both black and white. Because there are white nationalists and there are black nationalists that use atheism as a cover. And we've talked about that. And there was an article that came out that was talking about will black nationalists reemerge or the black nationalist movement? Will it reemerge because of what's happening now? And these are things that we need to look for. But again, like I was saying, with um in regards to the secular community, we've always been on the forefront and been a force to be reckoned with, especially black radical humanists. And everybody talks about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, who were great and wonderful people, but I want to go and look up Richard B. Moore, M-O-O-R-E. Again, that's Richard B. Moore. And Otto, um, I think this is Husswood. H-U-I-S-W-O-U-D. Again, Otto, O-T-T-O-H-U-I-S-W-O-U-D. Okay, and again, that's Richard B. Moore, M-O-O-R-E. Martin Luther King couldn't hold a candle to those black radical humanists there. So what the hell is happening now? What is happening now? A. Philip Randolph while you're doing it, because A. Philip Randolph... You know, mm-hmm. was, was was a bad man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and you may man. as well look up. Oh yeah, and you may as well look up Hubert Henry Harrison because Martin Luther King, Rustin, A. Philip Randolph, they all looked up to Hubert Henry Harrison. And for those right. that are interested, go back to our archives. And I did a show with um, Dr. Jeffrey Perry, and we talked about Hubert Henry Harrison and Alan um, and and. And, you know, what happened with the Harlem Renaissance and what happened with um, the creation of the quote unquote right race. But, you know, again, um, I'm trying to figure out where we are and what we're doing here. I mean, many of us, you know, 
we've been sending in donations. We've been keeping all of this alive by talking about it, not only on the show, but tweeting about it and posting about it. As a matter of fact, you know, I get trolled quite often by people who think that I should be talking about more positive stuff than sharing information about Ferguson and mistreatment of people of color in this country. That sounds like church folks. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But see, unfortunately, but see, but see, this is the thing, and I'm glad you said that because that's poignant. Because you know, all these years, and especially this past year, I have been, especially this past year, I have been contrasting the atheist community to church, and I'm seeing the same shit. Mm-hmm. And it's because interesting it's because it seems as a fundamental base of it, we're human beings, and. Exactly. We, you know, we behave in we behave in certain ways, and the in some of those ways we attribute. You know, we we put in the context of religion, and we think, oh, well, that's just religion, but it's just human behavior. You know, exactly. No more and, rational than than religious folks. You know, exactly, and that's why I attribute it to the state of the human condition. So that's yeah. why I no longer see certain things as religious issues, and I no longer see certain things as you know second. They're just issues across the board. And yeah. but, you know, again, you know, you have a lot of black atheists, black non-believers, black, you know, humanists in this in this community who would like to describe themselves or who do describe themselves as the intelligentsia. And I have not seen nor heard of too many folks, but most notably. Black leadership in this community out here saying and doing anything with the exception of the obvious, like Dr. Hutchinson and Dr. Mm-hmm. and Donald Wright, you know, and, and Raina and myself. Um, I, I just, I don't understand. You guys Go have, you, Raina, Dr. Hutchinson, all of these people have conviction. You have conviction, and that's the hallmark of a free thinker. You come up with conviction on your own. You're not just parroting out every single little meme and every single little tweet that the group expects you to believe. And that's that's why I have so much admiration for you, because you hear Uh all of the the exact same thing. Look at the news. It's all the same stuff. Nobody is going to have a take on it or the conservative take. Where is independent thought? And that is why I think we're seeing some of these problems is because where is true conviction? And then when you have right. it, you're accused of being impolite for saying it. And, but that is <laughs> what happens. It's these really, you know, it's conviction that comes up. Most people are followers. Very few are leaders. You guys are leaders because you for well, yourself. Well, thank you. That that means yeah, a lot. Thank you. That really means a lot. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, Kim, and, and I'm going to have to go shortly. I'm going to have to go. So, um oh, I, 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 go. I apologize, but I have I have something I need to tend to. So, um okay. thank you for having me as always and um it was great speaking with you, um Deborah, and um okay. hope to me talk too. to you soon. Okay. All right, Raina, take care. But yeah, Deborah, um, like I was saying, you know, in, in this community, it's it's like 
the silence behind all of this has been stunning. And we noted that silence this past August, and we noted that same silence after the Zimmerman trial. And what's interesting is I've stated in the past that I do believe that there are some atheists in this community who have an interest in minorities. They just have no, no interest in minorities. So they may yeah. be interested in you as a person, but as far as issues and, and that, that affect your community or has an impact on your community or you, they don't care because they can't see past their own privilege nor do they care. And that's why I'm always talking about um, libertarians and the, you know, the strong vein of libertarianism in this community. Because again, is, you know, with that particular mindset or that particular ideology, it is about oneself. It's about satisfying your own needs, taking your toys as well as everybody else's to win the game. And it's not about caring for other people. And this is why there are too many people in the atheist community who don't care about social justice. They don't care about what happens to others. And during the conference, you know, we, especially during the panel, what's race got to do with it? It got very heated. It turned into a very heated discussion. That's why we're doing part two. And basically, (laughs) it was, we were talking about inclusiveness or accommodation when it came to white atheists when they come to our groups and come to our events do we you know show them inclusivity or do we accommodate them and many of us are refusing to accommodate because you don't accommodate for us mm-hmm. and it's too many you know it's too many not here that are you know pointing the finger at people of color and particularly black christians and saying it's your fault while they're not doing anything in the community themselves and i'm seeing that not only with the mainstream see okay when i talk about black atheists understand i'm talking about white mainstream atheists too but i'm just kind of specifying mm-hmm. black atheists right now but i see them who claim that they hate religion and they go on these ad hominem attacks against, you know, Christians, black Christians in particular, and just this hate, this vitriol, but yet they're not doing anything in the community to help address and resolve these particular issues. So again, they want to, you know, there's too many people that want to sit on their ass. And that's why I don't attribute it necessarily as a black atheist issue like Christians to do the same thing. I just attribute it as a human condition, as an issue across the board, because a lot of people, you know, they are afraid. So they're afraid to say anything. They're afraid to go out here and march. And I understand that. And that's why I said not everybody is going to come out here to march and protest, but you should be able to do something. Even if you can't get out I mean, send them $5, send them $10, something. All of this adds up. And I'm Mm -hmm. constantly giving you all information. And I post it on several different platforms. So, you know, inbox me. You know, blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. I will give you the resources. And so it's just, it's absolutely amazing 
absolutely amazing. And I'm just like very disappointed with this community, with the atheist community in general, but in particular, the black non-believers, black atheists out here, because I'm not seeing participation. I see Facebook and Twitter outrage. But other than that, they go back to business as normal. You know, there are very few of us out here that are actually out here protesting. If we're not out here marching, sending money in to help out, we're keeping the stories alive. We're encouraging, most importantly, encouraging the people who are putting their lives on the line. These are young people. These are the millennials. These are young people. I never thought I would see this day. I thought that these children weren't paying us any mind, but they were listening. They were listening. And I am just absolutely amazed. I am so proud of them. I don't know what to do with myself. And I'm sitting here and I just, I'm saying, what more can I do? And I'm also looking at us as a community and I'm saying, what more can we do? I mean, and I can't even say what more can we do when we haven't done a damn thing start. And I'm, I'm just, good go ahead. I, I really think that we can start by being a good example. Um, right. You know, you talk to some of these young people now, and they are so disgusted with people in our generation that could be their parents. Right. Because we're disgusting. Right. I mean, seriously, look at, at, at how our president is treated. I have never seen anything like this before in my life. And if he stands exactly. up, boy, they're going to get, you know, impeach him or um, take him to court or do whatever or not let him have a, 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 a State of the Union address. And this is the right. Thing that, so we can start by being good examples. That comes out into the groups, like what you've been saying. Instead of just right. knocking down things, get out there and start helping the community. Start showing exactly. the Exactly, because the majority of us still live in these communities. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, we still live, live in these communities, and like I said, your silence will not protect you. I mean, you, I look at some of these people, some of these black atheists, you know, that I've interacted with and talking from personal experience. Some of them think that they say nothing that this won't come to their doorstep. And this could be your children. This could be your significant other, your partner, your wife, husband. Any of this can happen to anybody. But I guess it's only important when it happens to someone that's close to you. And so that is why I'm trying to understand for us to be humanists, for us to be free thinkers. I mean, is, is you know, is your is your vision, or your mind that closed, uh, you know, is your vision that myopic? And I just, I'm not understanding. And many of them have this very lackadaisical, I don't care attitude. And that's why I I get along great with black Christians. They like me. We go trolling together sometimes on the internet and we come back and laugh. And they don't pay attention to a lot of these other Black free thinkers, black atheists, black non-believers, because all a lot of people in this community want to do is argue or show that they're, you know, uh, more intelligent than someone else or point the finger at black Christians and make fun of them. While at the same time, 
we can't even get most of these people to attend anything off the internet. <laughs> and I'm just upset. And I'm like, you know, you have these Facebook and Twitter, you know, people on there. Yeah, fight the power and then turn around. And these same people, you know, if they saw you walking down the street, they would act like they didn't know you. And it's just the whole thing is just interesting. But it's not just black atheists, white atheists do the same thing because I've talked to different organizers of different organizations and they have the same issues. Three or four people will show up. Six or seven people will show up, you know, organization that has 15,000 members and only a couple of hundred come to their conference. And so you, you have all of this going on. But I want to know, you know, where does your revolve, resolve stand? Because, again, I live in this neighborhood. It is to my benefit to make sure that the people in this area have food to eat. It is to my benefit that the people that I pass by every day when I leave the house, that I treat them with common human decency, dignity, and respect. Because it doesn't matter if the person is homeless or if it's the multi-millionaire landowner, it doesn't matter. They still deserve respect. And so I'm just sitting here and looking at it and I'm just trying to figure out Again, I really do believe that this community is going to split. I mean, it's already splintering off. And it's just, it's a shame. Because there is so much that we can do together. But again, that's why we started People of Color Beyond Faith. Because we know that atheism alone is not enough. Is not enough. And unfortunately, it's too many people, particularly, and again, I'm focusing on, you know, atheists of color today and for the past couple of days. And I will be for a while because of what's happening in the news. But again, <laughs> you can't act as though it's not going to come to a town near you or that it hasn't. Ferguson is everywhere. If you look at the city information, the data for the city that you live in, you will see that it's the same issues. You have this, you know, this money grab in which they're fining people, ticketing people, issuing citations. If they don't pay those fines or those fees, they're jailed. So now they have to bail themselves out of jail and still pay those fees. Now it's additional fees on top of that. And it's a it's a slush fund. And it's is job to pay for all these fees after you're done with the, I mean nobody will hire you after all that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the you know uh, the high price of poverty. These are some of the symptoms of it. And what's interesting is I hear a lot of the same rhetoric in this community that I heard in a Christian community. And, you know, they, they try to say, well, you get out of the system what you put into the system. And that's not true. This system was not designed to help us. It's always been designed to always hurt us and make sure that we were the low man on the totem pole. And that is how it is. And that's how it is. And we're not going to be able to dismantle this, you know, this systems. And we have to do something. And this is why you're seeing these mass movements across the country. I believe that a lot of people were surprised 
and how quickly this organized and how massive these protests have been. And they're getting bigger and bigger every day. And again, like I said, you know, this just doesn't stop, start and stop with people of color. White people, they, they targeting y'all too. Right. So right. it would be, it would be to white. your business. Mm-hmm. Especially younger white people, they see this and they don't like it, you know, and, and they are not seeing, like I said, a good example from our generation at all. And I think you're going to see more and more younger white people uh, standing up for these issues and fighting because they're sick of it. They, they know it's a big system. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, again, like Raina was saying earlier about Martin Luther King, how he finally realized that it was an intersection of class, which is what was the premise of the Poor People's Campaign. And that was for poor whites and people of color who have been systemically disenfranchised. And once they, once he figured that out and started focusing on that, well, then he had to go. And what's interesting is a lot of the black leaders in our community, the good ones anyway, they have been either killed, right? They have either been killed or have, or have been basically smeared and dragged through the mud through the media and you know you had Medgar Evers you know Malcolm X Martin Luther King and a number of other people I mean even if you go all the way back to Hubert Henry Harrison who I admire basically he forced him out of his job as at the postal office at the postal you know he used to work for the post office he was forced out of that job he was pretty much you know um destitute and this was because the powers that be didn't like what he had to say. And that was both black and white because Booker T. Washington had something to do with him losing his job. And so this is why we're telling you all, you need to know the history, you need to understand what's happening. And what I love about this particular mass movement is there are no specific leaders. There were some people who went to meet with President Obama this week, but there are no official heads. And this is one of the reasons why they booed Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, especially when they're asking for donations. These are poor people living in the town and you're coming here to ask for money and tell them to go home, be quiet and pray about it. No, and, and these young people, they're rejecting these religious platitudes. And I applaud them. I am happy. I'm proud of them. And I saw some, you know, people, different people, black, white, yellow, red, what have you, that initially when the protests started in um, August, they were, you know, mocking the protesters and was saying that they were hoping that, you know, all of this negativity would happen people and I had you know some major arguments including one person in my family and just they were just making some of the most ignorant outrageous charges but again don't listen to the naysayers don't listen to that negativity you all do what you feel that you do understand that you have a lot of people behind you and I'm talking to the protesters and, you know, we're supporting what you're, you're doing and, and, and where you're trying to go. We understand it. And 
again, um, uh, some of them are getting instructions from some of the old civil rights leaders. Um, they've been contacted by Harry Belafonte. He's been giving them some advice. And it's just, you know, I just want you guys to stay encouraged. Stay encouraged. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better. It really is. And so, again, I'm getting ready to phase this out. We will be doing a webcast Sunday. And basically, it's going to be a secular town hall, Ferguson and beyond. We will be addressing these issues and addressing some some issues that I didn't talk about tonight. And I didn't talk about them on purpose because I know that panel is going to be straight popping. So um, I want you guys to tune in. We'll put the information. We'll, I'll create um, an event page and it'll be on the people of color. And we will go from there. But I would like to thank Deborah for calling in tonight. We had a couple of other callers, but they didn't press one. So I figured they didn't want to talk. But again, this is not the last time we're going to talk about Ferguson. It's not the last time we're going to talk about, you know, the grand jury and the verdicts and the militarization of the police and just the unfair um, systemic and institutional racism in this country is absolutely ridiculous. And I am not giving the secular community a pass. White atheists, black atheists, nobody. We're not gonna give you a pass. We're not gonna give you a pass anymore. And for those who feel as though my criticisms are too harsh, get over it. I'm really nice about it, but not no more. So sorry, go ahead and get mad. Send me an email. It'd be all right. So <laughs> on that note, again, this is Kim and this is Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Make sure you look up those black civil rights leaders that I told you about that were black radical humanists. It will give you life. All right, you guys take care. Have a good night. Bye bye.